Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why am I wearing a cape? I'll tell you why I'm wearing a cape. I gotta try to get away from, you know, the mic here. I'm wearing a cape because one night in college, wearing a cape, ooh, man. Well, I didn't wear the cape. I followed a young lady in a cape to a party that was incredible. I never seen nothing like it before, after. But during, it was unbelievable. So I've always said, follow the genius that wears a cape. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I... Your leader, Daniel J. Dockich, wearing a cape and a crown because we have had another great week here on OutKick. We will have another great day here on OutKick. Yes, we will. Details of the party that I went to while I followed a young lady or a gaggle of young ladies uh, in a cape cannot be disclosed. Uh, No laws were broken. But I got to tell you, it was one of the great nights other than on the basketball court of my collegiate career. So I say to you, as a family motto, Dockage family motto, always, always follow somebody wearing a cape. Now, I don't, look, the world has gotten weird since the 80s. I understand maybe a cape means something different to you, but I'm just telling you, back in the 80s, <clears throat> if somebody had the you-know-whats to wear a cape, out to the Bluebird in Bloomington, Indiana. I was following for the after party, and I'll tell you what, a hell of an after party. The other reason I'm wearing a cape, the other reason I'm wearing a crown, is because even though this show doesn't get the respect nationally that it should, my God, do we lead. All we do is tell you what's going to happen. And I'm going to get into that. Monday, I was telling you about this guy, Elijah Moore, wide receiver in the NFL. I think with the Giants or the Jets. I don't even care who he plays for. I told you this was bad business. Next thing you know, this guy wants to trade on a team that's winning for the first time in its history, at least its modern day history. We were ahead of Brittany Griner before Brittany Griner. I can't help you any more than I'm helping you. And those of you on the YouTube chat, I thank you. Most of you follow this greatness. Day after day after day. I got to tell you, sitting right here looking at myself for two hours, I look a hell of a lot better when I'm covered up. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the leader of the free world. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the most powerful man in the world. He controls the nuclear codes. If he decides, yes, he and he alone could decide, one night I'm just going to blow some stuff up. I don't know. I'm just going to blow some stuff up. I feel like pushing this button, hitting these codes, and I'm going to talk to some people. We're just going to blow some stuff up. This is your leader, ladies and gentlemen. 81 million votes right here. Right here. Let's get a look. Right here. Where are we going, Joe? Say it ain't so, Joe. Where are we going? Huh? What? It's pathetic. That 
ladies and gentlemen, that right there is the leader of the free world. That right there is the man who all you got to do is open the top drawer. I, I look in my top drawer and I've got a remote. I've got some ear things. I've got extra cords. Uh, I don't know what the hell this thing is to. It turns something on and it turns something off. Hell, I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know. That man opens the top drawer unit. He's got nuclear codes. And we're in a time when people are openly discussing Armageddon slash nuclear war. And that's the man right there that's going to lead us. Please look at this. Jolton Joe. And the truth is, nobody wants to be around him. Nobody. I need to get this closer. You guys aren't seeing enough of me. There we go. You got to see more of me. It just can't be a little bit. So ladies and gentlemen, Jolton Joe Biden is sitting there spinning around. And the sad thing is, I got to tell you, have you ever seen a president that nobody wanted to be around more than this guy? My answer is uh, no. No. Not even sort of, kind of, maybe. I'll tell you something else. Uh, this hook thing is driving me crazy. But anyway, there's your president. Please do yourself a favor. Pay attention when you vote this time. And when the NBA and the NFL tell you to vote, say, you know what, I am, but I'm not voting the way you want. Because while you guys are getting rich, while you all are getting fat, we're the goal for us. And I want to talk about this for a second. I'm going totally off script. But the goal for us, for us, us peons, is just a little breathing room. Think about that for a second. That's Biden's mantra. Just a little breathing room for us. While these guys are getting rich, anybody pay ever pay attention to how much Pelosi and her husband have made right before different bills are coming in that have helped different companies? Anybody look at where Biden and his family live? The number of houses? Anybody seen where the Obamas live? I'm serious about this. Check out your senator. See how this guy lives. Your congresswoman or man. See how this person. And all the goal for us is of just a little more breathing room. Think about that for a second when you go to the polls. Think about it. Do yourself a favor. That's the difference between us and then do yourself another favor. <clears throat> People ask me all the time, what's your dream job? Press secretary, president of the United States. Who would bring your dream guest? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard would be my dream guest. She was a Democrat. She was a powerful Democrat. She is now telling us, hey, look, this whole thing is ridiculous and you need to pay attention to Tulsi Gabbard. Well, and how many times have you heard it out of Biden? Just a little more breathing room, my dad used to say, while well, he lives in mansions. Well, Hunter Biden makes billions, millions. While well, all these guys' kids are just getting fat, what are we doing? We're wearing capes on TV for crying out loud. Just a little more. If we can get just a little more breathing room. What? while well, you're getting fat as hell. I don't understand it. I don't understand how we can be so dumb and elect these people, but they all got to go. They all got to go. They got to go. They have to go. Anytime I hear that, just a little more breathing room, I want to puke on my shoes. Seriously. Make America great is bad, but just a little more breathing room, I can't stop saying it is like a mantra. People are out of their freaking minds. Get these people out. 
Pay attention to where and how they live, how rich they are getting while you and I are paying $5, $4.50, $4.19, whatever it is for gas. They don't even buy gas because people drive them around. Ah, man. I don't care how many people watch this show. I'm just going to keep talking. Next thing. Man, that pisses me off. I'm not going to lie to you. We got this idiot living in mansions. We got the Pelosi's living wherever the hell they want. All these senators. What did that one woman, AOC, what did she wear, like a $36,000 dress that said, tax the rich? They're flaunting it right in front of us. You know, it's interesting. I think her dress was $36,000. You know what the average person lost? It was just announced the other day. About thirty-four dollars to $36,000. Mine's way more. Because I've been smart enough to save my whole life. Honest to God. And all we do is listen to just a little more breathing room from this idiot and the other idiots. It's insane. You got to get him out. You just, you got to get him out. All right. I'm done. All right. Why else am I wearing the crown? Because I told you the whole NFL was shifting. That's right. The NFL was shifting to what Major League Baseball has become, and that is we're going to make deals, we're going to make trades, we're going to improve our team in the middle of the season. You never, ever, ever saw that before, ever. Never did you see this before, but now you do. Why? It's copycat. What happened last year? Von Miller came aboard. Odell Beckham came aboard. What happened? Super Bowl won. You win a Super Bowl, doing it a certain way, and next thing you know, everybody wants to do it. Who's everybody? Well, now it's the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers went and added Christian McCaffrey. The San Francisco 49ers added a guy that most people feel is third uh, among running backs in the NFL. Maybe first overall, but third, third in terms of running backs. Now, here's the deal. You got Derrick Henry, and you got Jonathan Taylor, and you got Christian McCaffrey. Shuffle them up, pick one, who cares? And then you also, ladies and gentlemen, as we go through it, you got Debo Samuel, who no longer has to run the ball in the middle like he did not want to, and he held out. Now, remember this, people. Debo Samuel said all along, I don't want to run the football up the middle. I want to, it's too dangerous. My career will get shortened. He's right. So what they do, they brought in Christian McCaffrey. I'm wearing this because damn near everything I tell you comes true. Damn near everything. Which way do I need to shift? I'll shift. You want me that way? You want me this way? Sure. I'll go whatever way you want. But anyway, so now Christian McCaffrey gets to do Christian McCaffrey things. And now, hey, look, what does it matter? We're going to find out because you still got Jimmy G at quarterback, which can be good. He's been to a Super Bowl, an NFC championship game, or it can be bad. He seems to throw a lot of picks lately. But the bottom line isn't whether or not they're going to win. The bottom line is teams now are going the baseball route. Teams now have decided we are going to put ourselves at midseason or earlier like now in a position of success by adding players via trade. You never saw that before in in football. Football trades used to be nothing. You know, the Colts, back when they won the Super Bowl, credit Booger McFarlane, yes, the guy that you see on ESPN. They credit Booger McFarlane for much of their success. He came as an adult in the room to the defensive front and really solidified the defensive front. By the way, today we got Clay Travis. This is a monster. I'm sorry, but it's an absolute monster. Uh, Last night, I got to tell you, we got players gone wild. 
We do. We got players going wild. Christian or uh, Kyler Murray going off on his coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Hey, look, if I'm Kingsbury, I don't even care what I say, but I'm going to tell you what I would do. You ready? All right, get ready. You're yelling at me, right? You're screaming at me. If I'm Kingsbury, I'm yelling back. You know, Kyler, I absolutely love you. I think you're absolutely freaking great. You're the best quarterback that I've ever seen. We're down here on the goal line, and I'll tell you right now, you're going to get this in, and we're going to win this game. Here's what happens. Kyler Murray can't complain that you said bad things to him, and you save face. If a player is going to yell at you, that's what you do. You yell complimentary things back. Uh, Kyler, I absolutely freaking love you. I'll tell you right now. If you keep yelling at me, I'm going to keep telling you how much I love you, Kyler. Now, Kingsbury looks like a little docile wimp. And look, there ain't much worse looking in a football locker room than a docile wimp. Now, maybe the argument wasn't at Murray or it wasn't at Kingsbury. Maybe it was at the def- offensive coordinator. Maybe it was as a teammate. Don't care. Looks matter. And I'm telling you, you young coaches out there, you just got the best advice you could possibly get. You can't go yelling back at the guy, hey, you stupid mother, no, 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 no. You yell back at him with platitudes. You yell back at him with compliments, and he looks at you like, what in the Sam heck am I doing? But last night, this game was going along swimmingly. This game was going along. It was 14 to 14. Hey, look, who knows what's going to happen next thing you know? Boom, boom. Two straight pick six, and the whole world turned upside down, and the game absolutely flipped. It's pretty amazing, really. I got to tell you, I've watched professional football for a long time, and I did not intentionally look today to see when the last time that anybody, you know, ever did this or ever did that. I don't really care, but I did do this. Seriously, I thought back, and I talked to three of my friends that I know watch NFL and college football every week, and not one of us could come up with a time where somebody picked six twice. One team, one quarterback, nobody. I mean, absolutely nobody. I couldn't come up with it. It's fascinating, really, when you think about it. A pick six, next possession, a pick six. Man, how about that? That'll win you some games. 21 points in like three minutes, something like that. Changed the entire complexion of the game. Adios. See ya. Goodbye. Goodbye to two things. One, the Saints. Two, Andy Dalton. You just got to move along. You you do. You got to move along. Uh, Stephen A. Smith gets another job. Uh, Manning cast type deal. That's right. Streaming services and Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Uh, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things I'm going to watch. That ain't one. Uh, that ain't one. That ain't two. That ain't three. But it isn't because of Stephen A. Smith. It isn't because of a streaming service. It's simply because I don't really like him. I don't really, really like him. I don't love him. I don't watch the Manning cast. Everybody tells me how good it is because if Peyton Manning says, shoo, Everybody chuckles, oh, that Peyton, I'll tell you what, he's funny. <laughs> oh, Peyton cracked another one. He said, shoo, he did. Yeah, he did. I find him to be boring. I find him to be dull, boring, lifeless, with no sound from the game. I got nothing for him. You may love him. That's awesome. I find NBA games to be dull, boring, and lifeless. And then to put somebody in studio of a dull, boring, lifeless game and talking about it 
and there's a bunch of dudes in there that don't know their backside from third base. Even if they do, the Mannings know everything there is to know about football. It's just not my thing. Now, mark my words. Remember I said this. Peyton Manning is in the protected mode of the media. So whatever Peyton says, man, that's funny. Hee-haw, he good. And same thing with Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith is protected. Stephen A. Smith has literally, in his time, as a, quote, NBA analyst, not as a, not as a yell host, that's fine, he's great at that, but as an NBA analyst has literally added nothing. There's nothing Stephen A. Smith can add to an NBA broadcast because Stephen A. Smith doesn't know his backside from third base relative to basketball. He can yell, he can scream, he can talk loud, he can make faces, wonderful, but he doesn't know a thing. So anyway, it isn't that I wouldn't watch him, even though he doesn't know it. It's that I, I don't watch these casts. And, and let me back up, Stephen A. Smith is protected. There is no media person alive, other than maybe me, that's going to say anything negative about Stephen A. Smith. Everybody else loves Stephen A. Smith because you got to love Stephen A. Smith or else you'll get attacked as a racist or some kind of ass. I, I find him un, uninteresting, so I don't watch. All right, next. Uh, former Redskins tight end Chris Coley says that he won't attend the ceremony where he was named one of the franchise's 90 greatest. Okay. Go get him, Chris. Uh, he had a statement. I'm very appreciative of being voted in. At this point, I don't have a desire to be involved with the Washington Commanders. That's Tom Hanks in People Magazine? All right. See the bottom there? I like it. Yeah. I read People Magazine. I do. Used to mostly for the crossword puzzles because, well, frankly, they're the only ones that I could do. But Chris Cooley, who is a well-known person in the Washington community, he was radio host for a long time, great tight end, not great tight end, but really good tight end, obviously one of their 90 best players, says he doesn't want to be associated, and good for him, and good for the Redskins. Look, here's the deal as I see it. You're a team. You honor people. People want to be honored. Good for them. People don't want to be honored. Good for them. Who cares? But you know what? I'm all for Chris Cooley. Good for him. He has his own decision to make. And that decision is, look, I don't want to be associated with him. There's no word on why he doesn't want to be associated with him. It sounds like he doesn't want to be associated based on the latest. Now, you got to understand the guy lives in D.C. Hey, what are you going to do? If I like that better. Oh, my gosh, that looks really good. If Chris Cooley doesn't want to be involved, then Chris Cooley doesn't want to be involved, but people are making a big deal. The way I look at it is this. You got honored, whether you're there or not. Two days later, no one's going to give a rat's, but your name is always going to be up there. And if you think it's important enough to take a stand, then good for you. I'm a big fan of stands. I once boycotted a a marathon station in Bowling Green, Ohio, on 9-12-2001. Why did I boycott it? I put the boycott on it. Uh, My friend Todd Stoner put the boycott on it. We boycotted it because, frankly, on 9-11-2001, when I passed it, taking mine and Urban Meyer's kids to school, the gas was under $2. It was about a buck 35, something like that. Something. This gas station said, well, we're a neighborhood station. We're owned by locals. Fine. I got it. We went there. Great ice cream store in the back of the gas station. True story. Really good. Still there. But here's what happened. On 9-11, 
gas was in the 120s, 130s. On 912, they hiked it up like everybody else did to two bucks. I put the malaka on it. I put the kebab on it. I said no. And it hurt that gas station to the point where, well, it didn't and it's still standing there, but I don't care. I'm up for a good. I am. I'm up for a good revolt. I'm up for a good, hey, stand up for what you believe in. I am. So good for Chris uh, Cooley. Hell yeah. Um, This is no surprise. Saudi Golf CEO is shooting down reports of Tiger Woods being offered basically the entire nation. He's shooting them down. He's saying, didn't happen, blah, blah, blah. Well, whether it happened or not, I like it better when it said it happened. Because you know what? It makes sense that the Saudis and the Live Tour would offer Tiger Woods anything that he wants. And it also makes sense that Tiger Woods would say no. Like, Tiger Woods should not ever get involved in the Live Tour. Tiger Woods doesn't need the money. Tiger Woods doesn't need the fame. Tiger Woods has overcame being a dirtbag. In fact, he now is one of those guys that is protected. Tiger Woods absolutely has morphed into a, what, iconic, grandfatherly uh, figure. Now, whether he is or isn't, I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, he's a dirtbag. I'm just saying He's a dirtbag. Look, let me just make sure you got this. It was reported that Tiger Woods had an offer somewhere in the nine digits to join a Saudi back tour. Uh, here's the deal. Greg Norman confirmed it. He said that's what it was. Um, then all of a sudden, well, Saudi Golf CEO, I don't know the guy's name, is saying that all the reported offer was never made. It's not straight out money. I never offered him that money, not even close to that. It's safe to assume whatever Woods' number was, it was a number, but it wasn't that. Who knows? And let me tell you something else. If Tiger Woods or the Saudi Golf Tour ever partnered together, he's the one guy that I'd be sad about. I'd be like, oh, don't do that, Tiger. Like if Jack Nicholas would have done it, I'd be like, oh, don't do that, Tiger. Come on. Don't do that. Let others do that. Let Phil do that. Not you. No, not you. So I don't know. But again, look, the media could tell me that I'm wearing sunglasses, a cape, and a crown, and I would say, no, I'm not. No, I would. I would just say, no, I'm not. Because if they report it, I ain't buying it. And that's sad to me because I'm a kid that grew up reading a newspaper every single day. Uh, Dak Prescott has been medically cleared. Let me ask you a question. Uh, All you guys on the YouTube chat, let me ask a a simple question comes to mind, if you don't mind. Is there any one of you out there that is watching this right now that would play Cooper Rush over Dak Prescott? Is there any one of you that would say, and I want to put this because this is important. It's not always the thing, but it's many times the thing. Is there any of you that would say, look, We paid this guy $230 million talking about Dak Prescott. And we're not going to play him. Okay, why aren't we going to play him? Well, we're not going to play him because Cooper Rush is better than him. Look, I don't know whether Cooper Rush is good, bad, angry, or sad. But I got to ask all of you on this YouTube chat, 
Is there any of you, are there any of you that would ever play Cooper Rush over a healthy Dak Prescott? And I guarantee you the answer is absolutely not. There's no chance any of you would because you're smart people. And smart people go, well, wait a second here. My best chance for long-term success is with Dak Prescott. And if you're the Dallas Cowboys, yes, you want to win games because if you don't, you don't have a chance at your ultimate goal. But your ultimate goal is at minimum the AFC or NFC championship game. Obviously, at maximum, your ultimate goal is what? To win the Super Bowl. So guess what? If you are the Dallas Cowboys, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I hear guys talking about this, and I say to myself, are you insane? No. Cooper Rush had a nice run. Cooper Rush did what backups are supposed to do. But Cooper Rush is not your starter, and he is not the guy that in the Big D is going to get you to the Super Bowl. He's just not. And you can talk about how good he is. You can talk about the story. You can talk about, well, wow, they put him on waivers and no one picked him up and they re-signed him. And that's all splendid. But I'm watched enough to know, okay, he's fine. He's good. You know he's your backup. Keep him as your backup. Play the guy that you think is going to get you the best chance to get to the Super Bowl. It's that simple. Man, do we fall in love with a backup quarterback. And the fact that anybody, anybody thinks that this is not going to be Dak Prescott's team is absolutely insane. I have told you this story a bazillion freaking times. Rick Pitino came to see Bob Knight when Pitino was at Kentucky. He couldn't win a national championship. He goes, Knight, how do we win a national championship? I was there. I was there. He said, you got to quit pressing. What do you mean? Yeah, you got to quit pressing. You give up too many buckets, you're going to lose to bad teams when you press. So Patino said, well, you know, it's part of my recruiting, blah, blah, blah. He goes, that's fine, did press less. So Patino's national championship team at Kentucky pressed less and became arguably the best defensive team in the country and was the best defensive team in the country, and it enabled them to win a national championship. When you do crazy things in basketball, like gimmicks, you lose to lesser teams. That's what Patino was doing. We had beaten them that year with an okay team. Damon Bailey drove through their press and kicked the living crap out of them. So anyway, that's my point with Dak Prescott. You want to play the guys that get you to the ultimate goal. And if they don't, they don't. And if they don't, then you take the heat. Yeah, okay, we should have played Cooper Rush, whatever. Money does factor into it, but I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, right this moment, I'm telling you. Cooper Rush, he ain't starting. He ain't even thinking about starting. All right, let's see. Now, one of the reasons I'm wearing this cape, ladies and gentlemen, is because I hope we have the tweet from earlier, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Now, look, I don't care about Elijah Moore. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's pretty good right there. Elijah Moore is the wide receiver for the Jets. Now, the Jets have won, like, I don't know, if you listen to New York media, they've won 20 in a row. Elijah Moore is unhappy. Elijah Moore doesn't like his stance in life. I told you earlier in the week. Do we have the earlier in the week tweet from Elijah Moore? 
where he started complaining after the Jets had just won that he wasn't getting the ball. And I told you on this show, which is why this show is awesome, but I told you on this show that Elijah Moore, this wasn't going to end well. Because the kid came out and he started talking about, well, you know, uh, this isn't going good. Well, you know, uh, I'm not happy. But, no, whenever you stop start complaining publicly, it don't end well. And so Elijah Moore wants a trade, right? Show up the picture of Zach Wilson again, will you please? Zachy, the famous Milfy guy, he going to go over and straighten things out. Yeah, Zach Wilson getting ready to Elijah head to Elijah Moore's mother's house to smooth over the situation. Hey baby. Hey baby. What's going on? Yeah. That's why I wear the cape, ladies and gentlemen. You guys that watch this show, you don't care about Elijah Moore. I don't care about Elijah Moore. There are about seven bazillion things in this world that I care about more than Elijah Moore. But I love being right. And I told you earlier in the week, man, oh man, Elijah Moore and his shot at his team, he doesn't understand while he's not getting the ball. Stay here for all. See, one thing I do better than any, other than wear this hat, it's getting really hot. Uh, frankly, is tell you what's going to happen before it happens. And one of the problems that we're all going to have this week is this. There's some bad betting lines this week. I'm going to get into it when we come back. I'm going to give you my bets, but I got to tell you, there's some bad betting lines. Last week, I loved it. Last week, I had the kicker. Last week, I gave it to you. This week, I found four or five that we're going to win on, and we're going to win big. But usually, I've got one that says, look, when everything else is lost in college football, bet this game. Last week, it was the Colts and Clemson. I'm going to give you my bets coming up when we come back. I'm going to put the hat on, but it's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. I don't feel so hot. I'm going to keep my clothes on. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know what? I got to tell you something. I'm over on the YouTube chat, and I asked a simple question this morning. I did. I asked a very simple question. Do you root for LeBron James? Here's why I asked that question. Because as I went through this morning, kind of watching, well, uh, Sports Center and different shows, I didn't see what happened last night with LeBron James's team. But I got to tell you, I was very, very, very happy that they lost. As happy as I can be about something, you know, I really don't care about. And so it made me ask a question on Twitter earlier today. 
Do you root for LeBron James? Or do you root against LeBron James? Look, I mean, you, you do it either way. A lot of people want to root for LeBron James. A lot of people think that LeBron James is one of the great basketball players of all time, and he is. A lot of people dislike for LeBron James. Spice Rack says, I root for LeBron James's downfall. But I'm sure LeBron James doesn't care. Of course not. He brought a championship to Cleveland, Sean Black, El Presidente says, so he's good in my book. That I get. No, I definitely get that. I think this thing's ridiculous. I'm taking it off. I totally get it. No, I do. Look at this mess. Maybe I should have done that, oh, I don't know, during the break there. But, hey, it's my show, I guess. But do you – oh, I can't look at this face. I, I got to put shades on. I'm sorry. It's, it's too much. And my shades are broke. They're a little crooked. It's driving me nuts. But the question is simple. It's a simple question. Do you root for LeBron James? And if not, why? If so, why? Like, I think LeBron James is probably going to go down statistically as the best basketball player to ever play. Maybe he already is. I mean, he's going to end up, what the hell, he's going to end up being the all-time leading scorer. He's been 20 years, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear anybody tell me what a great representative he is because he's fine. But I've always been a fan. What the heck is going on here? I've always been a fan of LeBron James. My guy Aaron's probably going, Dan, what are you doing? We're doing a show here. I mean, just let the thing go. No, you don't need to hear anybody anyway, but I'm a, I'm a stickler. I'm going to let it go. Screw it. Anyway, I root for him early. I rooted for him early. And now I got tired of him. I legitimately got tired of him. Dave Carroll says LeBron should play basketball and let us worry about how we vote. Now, I do think this. I do think LeBron telling us how to vote is a good thing if you go the opposite. No, I do. You cannot tell me that LeBron James and all his money is going to vote for that guy Biden. You can't tell me that. So if he tells me to go out and rock the vote, man, all right, all right, uh, I will. I'm going to rock. I may vote four times. I may go back Northwest Indiana style and vote three or four times. Empty lot next to my house. I know the address. 1620 West 54th Avenue, Gary, Indiana. 1620 West 54th Avenue, Maryville, Indiana. We had two addresses. I'll go out and vote. Uh, Kitty, oh boy, Kitty Browneye says, watching him get asked about the Malcolm X book he's holding is one of the funniest things of all time. That is. Like, look, he's a poser. He's begging. He's trying to get you to like him. We all know that. We get that, right? We understand that. But rooting for LeBron James is, is hard. Now, I will give you a story that I've told a million times, and this is why I liked it. When I went to his high school to recruit two other kids at his high school, Romeo Travis and Drew Joyce, I went to the high school. And when I went to high schools, I talked to everybody. I talked to counselors. I talked to teachers. I talked to janitors. Everybody loved LeBron James. Now, you got to understand, LeBron James was a big deal in high school. I mean, the nation's biggest football and basketball recruit. Uh, Nike or somebody got him a Hummer to drive. The Ohio High School Association banned him from playing in the state tournament. It was all over every news channel in the state of Ohio. It was all over every news channel in the country. And I don't even know what news channels there were. I guess there was CNN used to have a sports show with uh, 
uh, Charles, and uh, not Charles Barkley, but a man who died who was really good. Nick Charles, I think, was his name, and ESPN. So there he was, right? I mean, it's sitting right there. It's LeBron James in high school, and everybody loved him. I always respected that. I always respected the fact that he came right in the NBA, and I'll never forget, he made a pass right baseline. Danielle Marshall for the win. Danielle Marshall was a college All-American. LeBron was like 18. He made the right play against the Pistons in the playoffs. Marshall missed. Everybody criticized James, and he said, look, that's the right basketball play to make. I hit the open man who's a great corner shooter. What are you talking about? But now James has gotten to be too much. It really has. It's gotten to be too much. Bill Martin says, I lost respect when he left Cleveland the first time and stacked the team in Miami to win the championship. All right, I got to tell you this. Michael Jordan did the same thing. He just had it stacked for him. I mean, Tony Kukos was the best player in Europe. Tony Kukos was the best player in Europe. You know what happened? His, uh, his general manager went out and got Tony Kukos, the Bulls did, Jerry Krause, to come play. He brought him. That's what he did. He brought him. He brought him a dream team of Dennis Rodman. He brought him Harper, Ron Harper, who was a longtime all-star. I mean, let's be honest. If we're going to be honest, let's be honest. Yeah, LeBron went and stacked it, but Michael Jordan had it stacked for him. Hey, look, Magic Johnson played with the greatest, one of the two greatest players I've ever seen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So let, let's be honest here about that. But it was interesting. I found myself not rooting for LeBron James. Actually, I found myself, and this is interesting to me, maybe not to you, but when I watch the NBA, it's not who I root for, it's who I root against. Isn't that amazing? Like, I'm tired of Steve Kerr and Draymond Green. Uh, Warriors, my favorite team, because I think, personally, Steph Curry is the number one, along with Aaron Judge, role model, maybe in the history of sports. I root against Paul George because he was a schmuck here. So I don't care about the Clippers, but I'm glad when they lose. I root against Popovich. Pacers play Popovich today. Popovich is from my hometown. Popovich taught with a very good friend of mine. Was it my, a good friend of mine? Paddled Popovich, Popovich at Maryville Junior High. But he's become an arrogant jackass. I don't like it. So I root against David Hookstead, one of our great writers slash TV personalities on Outkick, said this. I said, why do, uh, why do you root against LeBron James? He said, because I don't support people who trash America as an awful place. It's not. Best country ever. And then turn around and ask a Chinese dictatorship before using the bathroom in the morning. He has no spine and he should be ashamed. A lot of people feel that way. A lot of people say this, I don't even follow the NBA any longer. Another guy says, don't really care about CCP. That's the Russian deal, the CCP, LeBron. Uh, Sue Tedai says, don't give a rat's either way. He just bounces a ball. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. It really is. It seriously is. Um, yeah. Yep, we do. Yep. That's hard to argue. What we got in the YouTube chat? 
Is there, build your own team is acceptable, Dan. Leaving for another one isn't. It's in the fan rule book. Don't question it. I get that. No, I get that. You build your own team. All right, so that's what the San Francisco 49ers are doing is the way I look at it. That's a great point, Jeff Wong. Jeff's on the YouTube chat. YouTube chat always is where I go to when I want some smarts. It is. If I need some smarts in this head, I go to the YouTube chat. I do. They give me some smarts. You're right. Building your own team is what you're supposed to do. Is this the right equivalency? Building your own team good, right? Leaving for a built team bad. All right? Is this the same equivalency? Cheating in baseball. Cheating in baseball. All right. It's not cheating if you can do it with the eye, meaning I'm watching you give signals and I I decipher them. The greatest in baseball is Eduardo Perez. That's different than using electronics. Electronics is cheating. Deciphering some third base coach or someone in the dugout, you know, doing all that stuff, that's not cheating. Now, that's how I look at it. Look, when I played baseball, even when I coached my son's team, if I picked up something that the other team was doing, I'd tell them. I remember playing in high school, and I could tell you when a curveball was coming from this kid who was a really, really good pitcher. His name was Intersagan. Played at Chester. I remember it like it was yesterday. Big old lefty, threw hard. I think he got drafted. I don't know. But I remember telling my teammates, hey, when he drops his glove below his belt, it's a fastball. When he puts it up here, it's an off-speed curve. I don't know what all he threw, but it was a curve is what I said, curve. But that, to me, that, to me, is not cheating. Everything else is cheating. All right. Interesting. Uh, the 49ers. What the 49ers did is not cheating. What the 49ers, if you're mad at the 49ers, then you, you, you just don't know sports. So Jeff Wong is absolutely right. There is a difference between building my team and, ladies and gentlemen, stacking a team with my buddies. I agree with that. Thank you for that. I knew, I just knew, going to the out or to the outkick YouTube chat was going to pay dividends. All right? So let me pay dividends for you. Let me give you some bets this weekend. And we're going to discuss these with Clay Travis coming up. You know, the founder, the owner, the Gazda, the boss is coming up here in about 15 minutes. Uh, Dan, is it okay for a woman to hit a man? No. No, Jennifer, fantastic human. No. Don't hit. No hitting. In self-defense, hitting. No hitting. You're mad. You got his phone. No. No, we don't need to be hitting men. There's no reason. You know, Look, here's my marital advice. You guys ready? Before it comes to hitting, get out of the relationship because you know the relationship is no good. Just get out. I can't. Well, you got to try. I know it's hard, but that's just my opinion on things. No, men hitting women, absolutely not. Women hitting men, obviously, if they're abusive, you got to do what you got to do, but not because you're mad or in an argument. No hitting, no scratching, no clawing, no throwing. No. All right, bets this weekend. Get your pen and paper. 
All right, get your pen and paper, and let's get serious here. First game that I'm going to give you. First game I'm going to give you is this. We're going to, ladies and gentlemen, go against what we have been going against this, or going with this entire year, and we're going with what we've gone with this entire year. Now, how is this possible all in one game? Well, all year long, I have told you Syracuse is really good. I have told you to take Syracuse. I have watched Syracuse. I have paid attention to Syracuse. And you know what? I got to tell you, I think Syracuse is really good. I do. I'm not going to lie. That, though, is what I'm going against. I'm going to take Clemson minus 13 and a half. I've watched Syracuse enough to know they're good enough. But they ain't Clemson good. Clemson, two touchdowns. Now, I won't take this at 14 or 14 and a half. I'll let it slide. Maybe at 14. But 13 and a half is about as high as I'll go with this. I can see Clemson at home. You're playing for a national championship. They're used to being in these spots. I could see Clemson at home winning this by three touchdowns, but I wouldn't bet it 14 and a half. That smells like backdoor cover. Now, the thing you got to understand about Syracuse is Eric Coley and the fellas at Syracuse are doing a great job of leading their team. I mean, it's stupid good what's going on with Syracuse and their ball club. I mean, their ball club is damn good. Yeah. Their ball club is damn good and it's damn lead. But I don't think, uh, I don't think they're good enough. I just don't. I don't think they're good enough to go into Death Valley and hang in there for an entire game with Clemson, who I think is playing really good. That DJ Ungale is playing fantastic. Horrible to start with, really good now. I'll take Clemson. I'll give the 13 and a half, and our toes are going to be tapping. Miami of Florida, the U. Now, I got to tell you, the U makes me take a dump. It does. The U can kiss my backside. The U sucks. I'm so tired of the U, I ain't going to lie. I'm tired of the U. I've had enough of the U. I better put my hat on when I give these bets. The U stinks. They need Luther Campbell back. The U used to be interesting when the U had like fellas. And the U understood who they were. Now the U doesn't understand who they are. Are we a cheating school? Are we a serious football school? Are we the kind of school that we don't care about the rules? Remember the U in this NIL season? They had that one dude paying out all kinds of money to athletes. I mean, all kinds of money. The two little girls that dress up in lingerie and play basketball at the U got millions. The one kid that was from Kansas State, actually from Indianapolis, he got millions to go to the U. Hey, yay, Rod, go fight, win. Well, they should have spent a little bit of that itch on football because the U stinks, but Duke stinks worse. And nobody can tell me. Duke is 4-3, and three, which by Indiana football standards is pretty good. Duke, ladies and gentlemen, hasn't been horrendous. They got a quarterback. They got a quarterback, and I got to tell you, his name is Leonard, and he looks like Duke, kind of a fat-headed hair guy. Listen to this. He's thrown, he's 130 for 197 with 
1,500 yards. But you know what? The Van Dyke kid over at the U is better. 1,600 yards. Now, Tyler Van Dyke and the U are going to win by 10 at home. Duke's fine. Nah, Duke stinks. The U stinks. I hate to vet on the U, but this, hey, look, it's about money, not who you like. So I'm going, I'm going with Miami. Uh, and I think this one gets away from Duke late. Both games get away from the teams late, and we're going to win some money. All right. I'm going to read you this. UCLA getting six and a half in Oregon. Now, Trevor Maddich on ESPN. You guys, Trevor Maddich has been on ESPN for 100 years. Nobody knows who Trevor Maddich is. He's a big old dude, you know, whatever, played at BYU. He says that Oregon is tough. I don't buy it. Here's what I'm going to read to you right now. You ready? This is from my friend, the cash man. Uh, A game where we should see some points. Oregon's a good team, but we saw how they handled playing a really good team when they opened up against Georgia, 49-3, 600 yards in offense. Oregon has played no one near Georgia's caliber. They've beaten Eastern Washington, BYU, Washington State, and Arizona. The defense allowed 41 points to Washington State, and they trailed in the fourth quarter. Wazoo was 5-for-5 in the red zone. Arizona went over 4.5 yards per catch against Oregon, but the Wildcats threw a pick, lost two fumbles, the game, uh, all right. So you see what I'm doing here. Scores matter, of course, but how you get to the score matters even more. Couple fumbles in a pick, Arizona. Chip Kelly's defense, great against the rush. 14th in the nation. 21st against the pass. 19th in yards per play. Oregon's defense is 96th in the country in yards per play allowed. Big difference. Zach Charbonneau, the transfer from Michigan, is uh, going, listen to this, 7.1 yards per carry. That guy with three names, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 74% of his passes, 7-1 against the spread. Look, I'll take the 6.5, I'll take UCLA, and frankly, I may take this on the money line because I got those kind of stones. (laughs) Yeah, sure I do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know we love us a meathead. I do. I know everybody loves themselves a meathead. I know we love a guy. Hey, man, I'm going to bite off my testicles, and if it has three fingers, I'll beat its ass. That's Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, quote machine in hard knocks. Dan Campbell, man, they're going to be pretty good. Man, you know what I mean? And they're going to be all right. Man, you know, all that kind of stuff because the guy gave good quote. You give good quote, media loves you. You say meathead things, media loves you. But Dan Campbell's team, particularly his defense, stinks. And when I say stinks, I mean, stinks. I mean, has given up the most points in the NFL this year. Now, meathead guy, if you're going to be meathead guy and you're going to be meathead coach, then your team has to play tough. Am I, when I'm right, I'm right. Isn't that what meathead guy is? You know, meathead guy usually promotes toughness. Meathead guy usually promotes, well, we're going to line up, and if you got three fingers and one butt cheek, we're going to kick your... Okay, fine. 
right, I'm in. You win. They're soft. Look, I saw the uh, Detroit Lions this summer, and I thought, you know what? With DeAndre Swift, they're every bit as good as the Colts. Well, maybe the Colts stink. I don't know. I'll get to them in a sec. So let me go through this for you. One of the ways that you talk about or test toughness, frankly, is defense. And one of the ways, I know there's a lot of metrics on defense, but I got to tell you, one of the most important things, maybe the most important things, is points allowed. Now, a little bit skewed last night, particularly uh, uh, for New Orleans, because the offense gave two straight touchdowns. But Meathead, guys, team, let me give you a number here. All right? Here's the number. 170 points allowed. The Saints have allowed 200, but you got to take 14 out on pick sixes. The Cardinals have allowed 176, and that's it. So look, Meathead guy has come out here, Dan Campbell. They don't guard nobody. I'll tell you who does guard somebody, and I don't even need to look at the numbers, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys guard, Dallas Cowboys offense should have Dak back. Dallas Cowboys offense isn't great, but they're playing against a bad defense, which means their offense will be better, which means seven points. I don't know. I think that's a lock. I'm going to do this because I'm this kind of smart. I'm going to move it to six and a half. So the touchdown wins it for me. I got to get Clay Travis, who's joining our show coming up here in a minute. I got to get Clay's thoughts on this. Because Clay, by all accounts, he and I are, well, frankly, we are self-made or self-talk about geniuses when it comes to this. Last one, look, you can get mad at me all you want. You can get mad at me all you want. I will be at the game. I'm going to take the Colts and the two points. I'm also going to take the Colts in the money line. Something going on here with the Colts. Something fishy going on here. I'll tell you what it is. It's Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan can look god-awful. Matt Ryan can look really good. Matt Ryan looked god-awful when he was in front of the nation on Thursday night, two nights ago, trying to see who was more awful, him or Russell Wilson. Eventually, it was Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan started the game the other day, not very good. But a funny thing happens in the second half with the Colts. Number one, they don't give up many points defensively. Number two, Matt Ryan with the pelota late is dynamite. I mean, I'm talking about dynamite, people. I'm talking about Matt Ryan. You give him the ball, one score game, tie game, down, whatever. Matt Ryan has shown against the Chiefs, against the Broncos, against the Jaguars, that he'll take you down the field. Look, uh, game they lost, I forget who the hell it was, or tied, I'm sorry, against the Texans. Guy's got a chippy field goal blank and ship. Make the kick. He took him down the field, got him in the field goal position. I'm taking the two. I'm taking the two. I'm taking it money line. My toes are going to be tapping. And see the jewels in this crown up here? They're real. No, they're real. I mean, this crown legitimately is worth, I don't know, fifty dollars to $100,000. No, seriously. If you're going to break into my house, take the crown. Or, or they're all fake. I'm not sure which. Uh, I would probably feel them to be fake. But this is, uh, this is real leopard, too. Yeah, this is real leopard. But anyway, 
we're going to buy another crown with all the money that we're going to make this weekend. This is not the easiest gambling weekend. So I got to tell you, when I looked at the lines, I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, let me ask you a question. Simple question. Iowa getting 30 against Ohio State, 30. Now, I don't know about you, but that is tempting as hell to jump on Iowa getting 30. Now, I want you to think about this. It's a proud program. As Kirk Ferentz said last year, guess where they were? They were in the freak. They won 10 games. They won 10 games. They did. Getting 30. I got to get to the YouTube chat and see what folks think. That's a lot of points. That's too many. That's four touchdowns and a field goal. That is beating the team seven to nothing and one ten to nothing every single time. So let me see. 14 to zip at half, right? 28 and a field goal. That's 31. Seems easy when you do it that way. Man, that's a lot of points. I was looking at that one thinking to myself, don't do it, Dan. Don't pull the trigger on that one. So let's review. I'm taking Clemson. I hate to do it, but I am. Minus 13 over Syracuse. I think Syracuse is good. I love their wide receiver. The quarterback, Schrader, fantastic. The running back, Tucker, terrific. But Clemson's playing really good. And be honest with you, Clemson's playing for the college football playoff. But you could also make the argument that Syracuse is. Miami, minus nine over Duke. Look, Duke, Indiana, you can't bet their football team. Miami, maybe this is a uh, past bet. Maybe this is a bet that I'm making because of past performances. UCLA, six and a half versus Oregon. I'm going to bump that up to seven, and I'm going to pay a little extra juice. I'm also going to take UCLA on the money line, try to stay up. I believe that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are going to get rocking and rolling here. Now that I believe. I think they're going to win by seven. I think they're going to win by 10. I think that the Cowboys, uh, Prescott, you usually play really well your first game back. Second game, not so much. But first game, whatever the reason is, you usually play well. And make no mistake, there is no who's going to be the quarterback. None. And then I'm taking the Colts over the Titans. Now, I'm going to be in Nashville my daughter stole my Pat McAfee jersey. I'm going to try not to get beat up. I usually, I don't say anything. I usually don't wear Colts clothes when I go. I'm quiet. Although I did have an old lady smacking me in the head with an umbrella. And I looked at her, I said, lady, we can't be doing this. Last year when I was at the game. So anyway, long story short, uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be fired up. We're going to be rocking and rolling. There you go. Yeah. Hammer the Colts, ladies and gentlemen. Hammer the Colts. That's right. Hammer them. They're going to win the game. Clay Travis coming up here in a moment, as always. Look, here's the deal. You want to bet? Don't bet a lot if you don't want to, but all you got to do is deposit some money in your DraftKings account. And when you do that and you bet $5, they give you 200 in free bets. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? It's glorious. It's genius. It's exactly what needs to happen every day. All right, I'm going to try to fix my earpiece, get this thing serious. Clay Travis joining us next. That's it. I got to take a break. 
We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the boss. He's the man. He's the gazda. I wear a crown because of him. His name is Clay Travis. He is the most popular man in the United States with the best opinions, the smartest opinions, and frankly, uh, he's almost as handsome as I. Appreciate you joining the show, big dog. Well, you know, it's an important day to come on, I thought, because Meghan Markle's been talking about how difficult, good-looking, incredibly good-looking people like you and me have had uh, it, Dan, for years and years. And I'm just so glad that there's somebody out there to talk about how awful it is to be judged by your looks um, and the, the burden that the incredibly good-looking like you and I carry on our shoulders every day. So, Meghan Markle, um, you know, I appreciate her discussing our oppression. You know, I thought when Meghan Markle got hired on Deal or No Deal to hold the suitcase, I thought they were going to ask her about politics. I'm surprised <laughs> that they didn't, and they <laughs> and they only had her hold thought, a briefcase I and thought, open it I up. I thought the same thing. I thought they were going to be like, hey, uh, suitcase girl number 24, um, you know, walk over here in your cocktail dress and your high heels and right. pass this briefcase over. And also while you're here, can you discuss and break down nuclear fusion for us uh, so we can understand it better than we otherwise did? Um, and uh, the fact that they continued to uh, to oppress her and not value her brain uh, really was, uh, again, I mean, it's incredibly problematic. I think that's the word choice, right? Um, and uh, and I just appreciate her being brave enough to speak out. You know, the princess really does know, uh, you know, why the caged really attracted bird. Uh, sings and uh, I just I'm glad she's in a she's a voice for us she's a voice for everyone I feel uh, I knew her as a girl in suits I remember I, I was flying and I and somebody told me hey watch the series suits I'm like ah there's a hot girl in suits it's good I like the show and next thing you know she's every freaking day I gotta listen to something about this woman enough Meghan Markle Enough. Yeah, it's it, it is. I will say she does know how to get attention. Most of it bad, but uh, but you know that's a skill in some way. I am coming to Nashville this weekend, and I am going to dominate. I do believe that the Colts are going to win this game, and within two weeks, you may scoff, but within two weeks, Matt Ryan is not going to win the MVP, but he is going to be in the discussion of the MVP because of his late game heroics. How good are the Titans and do the Colts have a shot here? Like I'm saying they do. Well, it's only what a two and a half point spread. Uh, when I was checking yesterday, I haven't looked at the lines this morning, so I don't think it's going to have moved too much. You know, back in the day, Dan, the Titans couldn't beat the Colts no matter what happened. Uh, but the Titans, I believe, have won five of the last six. And uh, Mike Vrabel, I believe, has won four straight uh, against the Colts. And here's why I like the Titans. Um, it is because they have a bye week. And Mike Vrabel coming out of a bye week has traditionally been pretty good at getting his team ready to play at a high level. Uh, I think the Titans are going to be healthy. 
you know, you got a division game against what I think is probably the two best teams in the division, and you're getting both of them in before Halloween. Titans could take a really important step if they can win this game on Sunday, and I think the Titans will. Um, and uh, I don't know who's going to win this division because I think it's going to be a division where the winning team is like nine and eight. So it's not like we're going to get, I don't believe, any kind of knockout early in the season. You know, the Titans kind of had a big lead last year, and sometimes somebody pulls away because the Texans and the Jags have been so mediocre. Um, but uh, if I were uh, betting on this game, which I probably will be by the time kickoff gets here on Sunday, uh, I like the Titans minus the two and a half. Hey, word on the street is you're going to be interviewing Luke Bryan at his ranch. What What do you hope, in an ideal world, what do you hope to get out of Luke Bryan? Well, we're doing an event that is uh, they're raising a lot of money for congenital heart uh, disease in uh, often very young kids. And Luke Bryan, uh, because he had a niece die uh, as a baby, has raised millions of dollars. Uh, sorry, my mother-in-law's phone is ringing at an incredible high, uh, high sound there. Um, the, uh, uh, but the, when you look at the, uh, at the, at the charity event, like I'm excited to, uh, to help, you know, as much as I can Luke Bryan, but like many of these country music singers. So, so he's raised millions of dollars for this event. And, and that has made a tremendous difference uh, for so many kids. Uh, but um, he's a big college football fan. So uh, he is a monster Georgia Bulldogs fan. And obviously we have got a game going on between Tennessee and Georgia in, uh, in theoretically a couple weeks, first weekend in November, that could be, could be the biggest Tennessee Georgia game that has ever existed. Um, because if Tennessee can take care of UT Martin this weekend and then beat uh, Kentucky in Knoxville next weekend, Tennessee would be 8 0. And uh, if Georgia beats uh, in the cocktail party Florida next weekend, then Georgia would be 8 0. And it's very rare that you have two undefeated teams in the SEC uh, in the same division playing in November. It just doesn't happen very often. And that game would be and will be regardless, I believe, uh, the deciding factor in who wins the SEC East because it's worth uh, a game and a half, right? When you factor in the tie break and each team would only have four games or three games left after that one, uh, which would make it very unlikely they're going to lose two. Um, and so uh, it's going to decide the East. And so I imagine Luke Bryan and I uh, on Saturday on Big Noon Kickoff, we'll be talking about how to raise hopefully millions of dollars to help kids uh, with congenital heart uh, disease. And then uh, we will be talking about the much less serious but no less fun uh, topic of uh, who's going to win the uh, the SEC. I'm a Tennessee guy. He's a Georgia guy. I think we'll probably have some fun with that. Hey, we're going to play your video after last weekend, man. I got to oh, tell yeah. you. that. This was pretty cool. Go ahead, Dylan, and play. This was very cool because it shows how much sports can mean to people. Go ahead, play it, Dylan. Clay, you were uh, you were tearing up at the end. I cried. I cried. I mean, that's how much it meant to me. I, I it's embarrassing to be forty three years old and cry at the result of a football game. But I'll tell you this: when Tennessee in nineteen ninety lost to Alabama, I was thinking about this when I was watching. I was with my grandpa who played for General Nealon uh, in the nineteen thirties. He's gonna cry again. Uh, and cry. I was Cry. watching the game with him. Cry. I was watching the game with him. Tennessee was supposed to beat Alabama. They didn't ever beat Alabama when I was a kid. And 1990, uh, Tennessee uh, was trying a field goal. It got blocked. Alabama recovered I was at that game. and made a field goal to win 9-6. Yeah. 
and I cried after that game. And I was at my grandpa's house in uh, in uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Red Bank to be specific. And he was so disappointed in me that I cried about a team that, that, that about Tennessee losing. And he said, you know, you don't cry about losing football games. But I'm probably going to cry here. When Tennessee, when that kick was not good, and then Tennessee made the kick to win, I thought back to being 11 years old. And uh, I felt like it was almost like cosmic and karmic justice that Tennessee made that kick after Alabama missed it. It took me back to being 11 years old in my grandpa's house in uh, Red Bank, Tennessee, who played for General Neal in the 1930s. What a fucking win. <laughs> Sorry. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Cigars are next. Yes, oh, definitely. See, all right. I played and coached for Bob Knight for a thousand years. And I'm going to tell you yeah. something that people don't know relative to what you did there. Coach Knight, as a when I was a player, used to read letters from fans about how much Indiana basketball meant to them. You, you know what I'm saying? Exactly like what Tennessee football and that win meant to you. It's always – I get goosebumps with this kind of stuff because yeah. – Go ahead. Talk about what it meant. Well, I mean, you saw it. I mean, it's that, that was, by the way, riding in the back of a pickup truck trying to get to the Airbnb house that myself and three buddies were uh, staying in over the uh, over the weekend, and you could uh, hear them. It's not like that was planned or some, uh, you know, like, hey, I want to do a, right. a live broadcast. We were just talking in the back of the truck, um, and one of the one of my uh, buddies, in fact, Jonathan Hutton, who was on the Outkick 360, I think, was recording that. You could hear Chad Withrow. Uh, who's also on that show in the background as well. Um, but to me, what is particularly unique about college sports in general is it is a multi-generational experience by and large. And so if you go to a big college football game, uh, especially in the South, you're going to have kids from the age of, you know, literally babies all the way up to grandma and grandpa who can barely walk potentially in their 80s, tailgating together, going into that game. Uh, and in my experience and going around to getting to go to sporting events all over the country, that's very unique. Um, and what it means is that you experience very often college football games as a, you know, sort of standing on the shoulders like experience of all the games that you remember in the past. And so when a great emotional transcendent win or frankly loss occurs, you think about it in the context of the people that you have watched those games with in the past. For me, it might be my grandfather, uh, my dad. In the years ahead, it'll probably be thinking about my kids when they were young and they will probably have recollections, hopefully, uh, with their own kids of watching games when they were kids with me, just like I did there recalling uh, that game in 1990 when I was 11 years old at my grandfather's house watching it and seeing that parallel in late game scenario, both teams attempting a field goal, one team misses, the other team gets it and gets an opportunity to win. Uh, it really did feel like a mirror image in many ways of that game that I watched in 1990 uh, with my grandfather that, uh, that, that impacted me so much that made me cry after the game ended 
these, you know, I'm getting emotional, you know, when I was talking about it in the back of that car from a perspective of, uh, of, of adulthood, looking back, I guess it's 32 years now. Um, but you know, it is, there is a timeless quality to being a fan like that because it can take you back to being a kid, to being an adolescent, uh, to being a young parent, to, uh, to now being a, a guy who's in his middle age. There's no question. Like in my era, or where I grew up, Northwest Indiana, Gary, Indiana, it was, for me, it was the Cubs. My dad passed away, always a Cubs yeah. fan, took me to Cub games. Cubs went, you know, Cubs win the World Series. I go to his grave, put a six-pack old style and a Cubs hat on it. Yeah. You know, and I got goosebumps that's again now. One. You know, it, yeah, it's, that's the way, you know, that's what sports does to you. Like, really, nothing, nothing else can. People ask me about you all the time, and I say, look, I've met Clay, but I don't really know him, but I do call you – the voice of common sense politics, okay? Yeah. Now, I grew up, and the guy who taught me to shoot a jump shot is currently hiding out in Greece. He is a Greek citizen. He got charged and convicted in federal court for buying votes. He was a councilman in East Chicago. The night before, they had a party, a going-away party. He didn't show. He had all his money sent. Interpol doesn't come get you He'd as a Greek finished. citizen. Yeah. He gone. He's there. So the entire group of councilmen in East Chicago are in jail for buying votes. My dad's good friend came to our house when he was running for city councilman in Gary and wanted to sign up the empty lot next to our house to have it vote for him. I was there as a little kid. So when people tell me there's no such thing as voter fraud, I tell you you're full of crap. I've seen it. I got a friend affected by it. But I say to you as the voice of common sense, a red wave seems like it's coming, but I feel like the Democrats have a dirty trick up their sleeve that involves the same type action we saw in the presidential election. Am I wrong here to even think it? Well, here's what here's what I say. And I'm writing a book about this uh, in terms of landslides. And what I say, Dan, is and this is the way I would always coach or want to play. Take it out of the ref's hands. Right. Make the game such a beatdown that even if there are improprieties out there, even if the ref's going to throw his flag four times and there's not going to be a penalty there. Make it so that the game's outcome is not in question late. Uh, and that is what I think is going to occur. I think we're going to get not just a red wave. I think we may get a red tsunami. And I just see it building everywhere because the things that people care about, this is an inflation slash economy election. This is an election about uh, the crime wave that is sweeping across our country. Uh, this is an election about our southern border being completely wide open. And I'll add a fourth category there. This is also a reckoning election where a lot of people like me who said we never should have shut down, who have been furious about schools closing, where we finally have an opportunity to register that disapproval. And I think as we sit here, I believe we're 18 days out. Um, I think that we are going to see a red wave that is rapidly rising into a red tsunami. And what happens in elections like those is 
people who didn't even know they were in danger of losing end up losing. And you're sitting right now in Indianapolis, uh, not too far away from Michigan. Uh, I think, you know, Tudor Dixon could wipe out Gretchen Whitmer because I think there's still a lot of people in Michigan who are mad about the way that Gretchen Whitmer handled COVID and the hypocrisy and the fact that she wouldn't even let people get their boats out to go on the lakes, but somehow her husband found a way to get out there. She wouldn't let people go into restaurants, and yet she was out. I think in places where there is a possibility of a loss, now it looks like Gavin Newsom's going to skate in California, and that guy deserves to get voted out, but California's lost its mind. But even in places like New York, I think Lee Zeldin has a real chance to be elected governor. I think Christine Drazen is going to win in Oregon, would be the first, I believe, elected uh, Republican governor since the 1980s. We're talking about a 40-year change. I just mentioned uh, Michigan. I think New Mexico's uh, out there. Uh, and so I think a lot of places where sort of sanity is going to prevail, I think we're going to see 18 days from now an incredible shift in the country. And I think it's actually going to sweep Joe Biden right out. I mean, I've been saying on the radio for a while uh, that that I think the outcome is going to be hey, this was a referendum on Joe Biden and all the Democrats that have been, you know, kind of trying to prop Joe Biden up are suddenly going to vanish. And Biden is going to have to announce this spring, sometime February or March, that he's not running for reelection and there will be a mad scramble among the Democrats. And one of the things that I'm most looking forward to uh, for that is Democrats are going to have to decide how it's not racist and sexist of them to refuse to select Kamala Harris as their vice president now as their presidential nominee, because she's clearly next man or next woman up. Right. But she's also so atrocious uh, that I think they're going to try to bypass her, because if she was their nominee, we would see, I I really do believe, a red wave in the uh, presidential election as well. And so, you know, this is the problem in general with identity politics and cancel culture, which are to me the twin pillars of the Democrat Party now. Eventually, it means that you have to just pick people, not based on their actual talents, but based on whether they check the right boxes for identity. Uh, And so uh, we've moved from, hey, we want everybody to be treated equally um, to, well, we have to have equity. And equity isn't the same thing as equality. Um, and so, you know, I think most people in America believe black, white, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, whatever your identity, you should be treated equally. But that doesn't mean that everybody should be exactly even and America should be a perfect representation of whatever uh, racial dynamic exists out there. But that's what Democrats believe. And that's certainly what their base believes. And so Kamala, it will be racist and sexist for her not to be the nominee. I'm really kind of fascinated to see how Gavin Newsom, uh, the white dude, uh, ends up getting past that problem. Does Newsom Newsom just skated on this whole Harvey Weinstein thing? No, or does that not even matter? I just I I think, look, Hollywood skated on the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. Right. I mean, everybody in Hollywood seems to have known exactly what Harvey Weinstein was doing for decades. Every Democrat did, too. I think Harvey Weinstein was like one of the biggest donors to Hillary Clinton. And uh, and then everybody just pretends that it's uh, that it didn't happen. Um, and so uh, I, I think, you know, 
Gavin Newsom has got a lot. My favorite Gavin Newsom story is that his parents left California to move to Florida and, and are Ron DeSantis donors because they were so upset over uh, over how poorly he had handled COVID. To me, that thing that thing gets wildly underplayed. I, I just think that's hysterical. That that and I mean, Newsom's wife now had a consensual relationship with Weinstein. Or his parents are in I Florida. Know. There's some it, sort the, of it's yeah, insane. Well, I mean, don't don't forget, um, you know, he was married to Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend now, um, if I'm not mistaken, right, <laughs> uh, Newsom. So, uh, like, the, his whole world, I mean, I think is just uh, is just built on a tremendous amount of artifice. Two things about a town that you love, Atlanta. Uh, Major League Baseball, I believe, owes the city of Atlanta yeah. a freaking apology. And does Herschel Walker win? Herschel Walker is going to win. Um, and uh, he's going to win to a large degree, I think, because Brian Kemp is going to win a really substantial win in uh, in the governor's race. I think he's going to beat Stacey Abrams handily. That's a rematch of 2018. Uh, back in 2018, Brian Kemp won by 50,000 votes, and Stacey Abrams uh, refused to concede at a direct attack, according to Democrat logic, on democracy. I'm surprised Georgia still exists. Um, and then uh, I, I think that Herschel Walker, everybody is breaking towards him because really you have a binary, right? If you think Joe Biden has done a really good job and you're a Georgian, then you should vote for the Reverend Raphael Warnock. If you think that Joe Biden has done a really bad job, and about 60% of Georgians agree with me that he has, uh, then you should vote for Herschel Walker. And I think ultimately uh, that uh, Biden is too much of a weight on uh, Reverend Warnock's shoulders. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor in this race in conjunction with the fact that Republicans are showing up in big numbers to vote for uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, and then the, uh, the other part of the question you asked, yes, Rob Manfred should have to apologize to all the people of Atlanta and all the people of Georgia in a public press conference, acknowledge that he was wrong, that he bought into the lies of Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams, and many in the mainstream media, that the new Georgia voting bill was Jim Crow 2.0. In reality, overall voting totals have skyrocketed. And as a result, this was a travesty of, uh, of, of sports justice and also justice in general. Uh, that they pulled away the all-star game that the Braves were going to honor Hank Aaron during. And uh, Rob Manfred should return the all-star game to Atlanta, acknowledge that they were 100% wrong there, apologize to the people of Atlanta, Braves fans and Georgians in general. Um, and you you know what? I don't know that we're ever going to get the apology, but I think he is going to return an all-star game to Atlanta, which will be about as close to a default acknowledgement of being wrong as you can get. I want to go to something with Herschel Walker here. Um, years ago, people would say, well, I don't want to run for public office because I've got this in my background or that in my background, yeah. you know, uh, you know, whatever. Are we at a point, I've always said this, look, I, I'm never going to look to politicians for my morals. I've read books on JFK. I know what George Bush yeah. Sr. was doing. I mean, I've paid attention to all this kind of stuff. So I'm never going to get my morals from a politician ever. Um, Herschel Walker has been attacked for a lot of different things. Uh, people are trying to put that in play. Where are you with the balance between, I guess, character or what you've done in your past and where you're at now? 
you know, as long as you aren't in jail for violent criminal act, which I do think should be probably a disqualifying factor. Um, I don't really <laughs> yes. care. And the analogy, the analogy that I make is uh, our country basically has heart disease right now, you know, uh, and we are in need of serious surgery to get us back on track to be able to continue our lives. And for every single person out there, if someone you love, or certainly if it was yourself, if you needed heart surgery, what would you want? You'd want the best damn cardiatric surgeon on the planet. I know I would for me or someone that I love. And I wouldn't care at all what uh, the heart surgeon's history was as a dad or as a husband or as a uh, as whether he was like a really good tipper when he went out to dinner uh, or whether he was particularly nice to his nurses or whether I only want the best person for the job to save my life. And I think our country is in a really delicate and difficult spot right now. And the more power we give to Joe Biden, the more difficult of a spot we are going to be in, the harder our recovery is going to be. And so I want whoever is going to be against Joe Biden in office right now. But I think that's an analogy that a lot of people understand. Um, you know, politics and who our leaders are and the choices they make are serious in their professional lives. I don't really care about the choices they make in their personal lives. And look, Dan, I've been consistent on this. I didn't care when Bill Clinton was, you know, hooking up with interns in the Oval Office. I mean, I would prefer that night ha might that not happen. If Monica Lewinsky were my daughter, I would have been super angry about it, right? The fact that he's using his power to take advantage of, of somebody else. But, I, you know, I said it back in the day, if you take it the world of sports, if Bobby Petrino could have won SEC championships for uh, for the Arkansas Razorbacks, I'd have given him a key to the sorority house on campus and said, hey, live here <laughs> as long as you want. But, uh, and, and I think there's a lot of Arkansas Razorback fans that would have said the same thing. And so my point on that is as long as you're not committing crimes, I don't really care about your personal foibles. Um, I care uh, about your ability to do the job uh, on a professional level. And, uh, and, and the heart surgeon example to me is it really kind of drills at home. And I think that's where the vast majority of Americans are on these issues. Last, last thing. And before I let you go, and thanks for your time today, by the way, I know you're swamped. When did it become, when did it become so did Trump do this? Um, I always thought the mainstream media had bias. I always thought they had massive yeah. bias. I'm a kid that read three newspapers. When did it become blatant? When did he become overt that this was this side and in the mainstream media, not bloggers, things like that? Mainstream. Yeah, so I'm writing on this right now, and I think there's several different threads that all came together with Trump. First of all, I do believe that sort of so many left-wing journalists bought into the idea that Trump was Satan and that he was a stooge of Russia and that Russia collusion happened and that he was a Manchurian candidate and that he was uniquely evil. So one, I think orange man bad definitely infected and infiltrated so many different newsrooms out there. Second part of this, and I don't think it's been discussed as much, is all of these companies were moving from a general interest business model. That is, Dan, what you're talking about hey, I'm going to go buy the newspaper on the street. I'm a general interest subscriber, but I'm not a rabid partisan, right? Like I went to school in Washington, D.C. 
Washington Post is a fabulous newspaper that at the time was left-leaning. But remember, they covered the Clinton impeachment like crazy, uh, was left-leaning, but also trying to cover all of Washington, D.C. for everyone. Same thing, I think, was true with the New York Times back in the day. And I think what happened is when they went direct subscription based all over the nation, right? So if you subscribe, and I do, to the Washington Post and to the New York Times, because I try to read everything every day I have to get ready for my radio show. Um, if you subscribe, in fact, I'm still old school and I've got sitting next to me right here, you know, this is today's <laughs> what, Wall Street Journal. And then I also have today's, I still get the print uh, newspaper. Here's my New York Times. Uh, I read these cover to cover every morning before I do my radio show, both of them, as well as the Washington Post on digital. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is I think that the subscriber base of these newspapers was very anti-Trump. And when you move from a general interest newspaper predicated on selling ads, Dan, you want to sell ads to everybody. So you want, if you're selling a Mercedes ad, you want the biggest possible audience to see your ad. To when you go to direct subscription, you're almost in the model of just covering one team, right? So if you think about like rivals, they're 24-7 or on three. Those subscription models are, hey, you really care desperately about your team. And the coverage of your team can't in general be that negative. So I think you had economic imperatives suddenly in a subscription model where if the New York Times, what did they say at the top? All the news that's fit to print. If they truly put all the news that's fit to print in a non-biased fashion, their business model would get attacked because their subscribers wanted to read orange man bad. They wanted to believe that Trump was the worst human who had ever existed. So I think the economic imperative of subscription-based models combined with Trump's rise created, look, a lot more people subscribed to the New York Times. It was good for business, but it created an imperative where they could no longer cover the news honestly because their audience got mad if they said anything other than Trump is the worst human ever. It's not a coincidence that out of nowhere, the Washington Post suddenly puts on its headboard democracy dies in darkness. Uh, really? You know, like, because I would argue democracy dies when big tech and Democrats collude and decide what stories people can see. Uh, and I think that's the we're getting the blowback reaction here in 2022 uh, to those uh, those coverages. And I would say also they've destroyed their legitimacy. You know, you talked about the personal foibles issue. I think a lot of Republicans just don't care because they know that this is a behind the curtain move to try to destroy their ability to win a race. It's not about actually being honest. Um, and so I think these, these newspapers to a large extent became partisan rags. That doesn't mean by the way, that they can't be entertaining or engaging or smart. It just means that you have to presume every article that you're reading is biased to a substantial degree. So they gave in, is basically. They gave in to stuff they well, the said business, they would not be about. They, they, they followed the money, right, um, like many yeah. businesses do. And the, the, the business imperative is different in the 2020s than it was in the 1990s. And I think as a result, yeah. the overall journalism is weakened. Yeah, they had a moral high ground, and now they, they lessened the high ground. They lowered the bar. Hey, last, last thing. Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers, a big deal or no? 
I do think it's a big deal. Uh, I think the 49ers have a really good offensive line. Obviously, the the Jimmy Garoppolo experience is back. And what it says to me is Kyle Shanahan is looking around and analyzing the NFC right now. And I think accurately, by the way, and saying, boy, there's no really great team in the NFC. We know the Niners have already been to the Super Bowl. They almost won against the Chiefs. But I think he's looking around and saying Christian McCaffrey can be the difference maker it's time for us to go now. We don't know what the future is at quarterback. We don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to probably ride off into the sunset at some point. If we're going to win with this iteration of our team, we need a big-time playmaker at running back to take advantage of a really good defense, take some onus off of Jimmy Garoppolo and that passing game. I like the combo with Debo and McCaffrey. Uh, and uh, and so I think they said the time is now to win a championship. I think it's a bit Rams-like. When Sean McVay looked around and said, hey, I can go get Matthew Stafford. This is the move that will get me to the proverbial next level. I think the 49ers are rolling the dice and say McCaffrey is that asset that could put us in the Super Bowl. Hey, man, it's fun, boss. Thanks for the time today. Big weekend. Thank you. Big weekend. Keep up the good work. Hope everybody has fantastic weekends out there. I'll see you, man. All right. That's the great Clay Travis right there, ladies and gentlemen, giving you everything that you need. Just go to Outkick's greatest show or greatest website. It is just pounding. We're pounding away at greatness. We just continue to pound away. All right, we come back. I got a lot to get to. I got a hot seat. I got a coach on a hot seat who was on the hot seat last week. He's still on the hot seat. He didn't got going anywhere. And then I got another one to add to it. And I'm going to recap my bets. Oh, that feels good. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Love talking to the boss, man. Love it. Smartest man you're going to ever hear on any show outside of me, although I think he's probably got me beat. Let's get into this. Uh, Hot seat. My man, Frank Reich. Now, last week, I told you Frank Reich was on the hot seat, and he got a win. He got a massive win. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that seat didn't get hotter. It got a little cooler. But let's also be honest about something. Frank Reich is not off the hook. Colts playing the Titans this weekend. Jimmy Ursay, our owner, not only had he been talking about, oh, I don't know, Daniel Snyder, but he'd also been talking about the power of Mike Vrabel and the good folks of the Titans. Now, you got to understand something about Jimmy Ursay. Jimmy Ursay doesn't talk about any other teams historically other than the Patriots. I've talked about that on this show numerous times. He came out and he said, hey, look, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to talk about 
a team that's whipped our ass, and that team is the Titans. They've been tougher. He talked about Mike Vrabel's toughness. Well, guess what? Colts lost to the Titans again at home a few weeks ago. Now they go to the Titans. If they don't win this, a lot of people wrongfully feel that the division is over and it's going to go to the Titans. I don't believe that. you got a lot of football left. Titans have a tougher schedule than the Colts. they got to go to Green Bay. they got to go to Kansas City. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. But Frank Reich needs to win this game. Now, the seat got a little cooler because Carson Wentz is out. If Carson Wentz in two weeks would have come into Indy and whooped up on the good folks here in Indianapolis, that would have been a serious problem. Serious problem. So we'll see. But no, make no mistake. This, unless he wins these next two games, and I think he's going to, Frank Reich will remain on our Hot seat. Tommy Thibodeau is a great basketball coach. Tom Thibodeau is fantastic. Tom, nobody, and I mean nobody, coaches the game of basketball as a pure coach better than Tom Thibodeau in the NBA or maybe in college. It just does. He is a great coach, but let's be honest, coaching really doesn't matter. I think Tom Thibodeau is a bit of a dinosaur. I think Tom Thibodeau is one of those guys that in the day people love to have. Now you got guys like Darvin Ham. You got younger guys. You got guys that have certainly paid their dues. But Darvin Ham, never having been a head coach, gets the Lakers job. Great job. Historic job. He's the new breed, guys that paid their dues, that are younger, that are more maybe player-friendly. I don't know. And Tom Thibodeau has never been that. Tom Thibodeau is at the controls of the Knicks. A couple years ago, they won 10 more than they lost in a shortened season. That's great. Last year, they lost more than they won. That's not great. And if you're going to be the coach of the New York Knicks and the spotlight that, the overrated spotlight, though, let's be honest, it's way overrated, the Knicks and their importance. I talk about it all the time. But still, the Knicks, people do think about when they think about NBA basketball, they are a team that people want to get behind. So fine, get behind them. But the fact of the matter is Tom Thibodeau needs to win. Tom Thibodeau needs to win and win big with the Knicks, or else in about a month, we're going to be talking about some younger guy, former player probably, that is going to be the coach of the Knicks. Uh, I'm just telling you, I look at it, that's the way it is. It just simply is. Uh, Reich will not leave the hot seat all year. Thibodeau, unless they get off to some stupid kind of a streak, they're already 0-1. And I don't know. The East stinks. New York is New York. They've got an ownership group that a lot of people are after. Leon Rose, World Wide West, and the others. Uh, You know what? They are, ladies and gentlemen, they are. They absolutely are under the gun there to win, and Thibodeau's the guy driving the truck. He's going to be the first guy, the fall guy. And again, it isn't going to be a matter of if. It's going to be a matter of when, unless the guy wins a championship. And Jalen Brunson is a good piece, but they ain't winning a championship. Next guy on the hot seat, and he's been there forever, is Kirk Ferentz. Now look, you're going to say to me, you're crazy, Dan. Nuh-uh. Kirk Ferentz is never going to get fired at Iowa, and I would agree with you. I would absolutely agree. Kirk Ferentz is not going to get fired at Iowa. He's not. Absolutely not. But what is going to happen with Kirk Ferentz, 
eventually. And there's starting to be a little bit of a snowball effect on this. He's going to be asked to resign. He has been the coach at Iowa since 1999. That's 23 years. He's got a terrific record. 193 and 134. He's 9 and 9 in bowl games. All that's great. You know, they had an issue a few weeks or a few years ago off the field. He got that straightened out. They won 10 games last year. That's awesome. Fantastic. But before that, they won six. Kirk Ferentz will not be fired for coaching. Now, he went six and two the year before. It was a COVID year. Right now, he is 13 and 13, or three and three, excuse me. Kirk Ferentz, to me, ladies and gentlemen, to me, will never be fired at Iowa. However, he is on the hot seat, and what you would read was, well, Kirk Ferentz resigns. He's starting to get defensive. He's defending himself. I was just in church. Whenever you get attacked, uh, my guy Aaron Brockett says, let it go. Don't get defensive. Don't fight back. All right. So, He's starting to get defensive. Questions are being asked about his offensive coordinator, also known as Brian Ferentz, his son. It becomes like a snowball. It starts little, but when you roll it in the snow, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So listen to me right now. I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but I am saying he's on the hot seat. 30-point underdog. That's what they are. 30-point underdog in a Big Ten game. Don't you think about that now? What does that matter? It doesn't, except for this. It shows you where the program is. Now, you could say to me, well, everybody is a 30-point underdog to Ohio State, and I'd probably say that you're right. But a lot of them aren't guys that have been there. For 23 years, a lot of them, most of them, all of them, aren't guys whose offense can't score at all. And when I say at all, I mean at all. And in the modern way of playing football, you got to score some points and you got to be entertaining. So Reich will not get off the hot seat. He's just, unless they go on a seven-game winning streak, they've already won a couple. He's going to be on the hot seat unless they get into the playoffs, all right? Fine. That's the way it's going to be. Thibodeau, unless they make a stupid run here where they win 10 in a row, he is going to be on the hot seat the entire year. He's coaching in New York. He doesn't have the cachet anymore of a younger coach, an up-and-comer. He doesn't have the cachet anymore of somebody that is, you know, I don't know. He's a dinosaur. That's what he is. He's a freaking dinosaur. And then Kirk Ferentz, you're going to see an announcement at some point, if not this year, then next year. And good for Kirk Ferentz. He's making $7 million a year and he's made at least, I don't know, a million since, you know, for 23, 24 years, he's probably made a hundred million in his life as the coach. So good for him. But the fact of the matter is that's what you are going to see. I'm going to recap my bets for you. I'm going to do it right now. You ready? Against my better judgment, I'm going to take Clemson minus 13, 13 and a half. I don't care. I'm not taking them at 14 against the Qs. I'm not doing it. Clemson minus 13 and a half against Syracuse. Put your money on it and let's go. I'm going to do this for you right now. I'm going to put all these in a parlay 
And I'm going to tell you what you're going to win out of it. Now, Miami minus nine against Duke. I may put that as just a win because what I'm trying to do here is win parlays. UCLA, I gave you all the numbers. I'm going to move them up to seven over Oregon. Now, that gives me a sassy, sassy little late-night experience. That gives me something to hang my hat on and watch because, let's be honest, Saturday night, well, I'm going to be in Nash Vegas, so I'll probably be out late, you know, doing Nash Vegas things. But anyway, that's what I'm going to take. Cowboys, I'm going to take the Cowboys minus seven against the Lions because I think the Lions stink. Ladies and gentlemen, I am then going to take the Colts plus two against the free, and I hate to do it, against the Titans. That's what I'm going to take. I cannot believe I'm not going to take Iowa getting 30. It seems like that's what I should take, but I'm not because I guess I'm just stupid. I'm not going to take Notre Dame giving 27 to UNLV because I don't know if Notre Dame really cares. If I'm going to add something to it, I'm going to take LSU minus one against, um, what's it called? Against Mississippi State. No, who's LSU playing? Ole Miss. Man, I like Lane Kiffin. We're trying to get him on the show. Anyway, I would take that, but I am not. And then, of course, the Colts are going to win me money. I will have for you what this parlay is going to pay out coming up here in a minute. So don't get mad at me. All right, who is the Wokadope, big boy? Give me the Wokadope. Oh, my God. Uh, homeschool your kids is right. There's no reason not to homeschool your kids. Homeschool your children today, tomorrow, and the next day. I've told you this. I'll keep telling you this. And look, with all of the things going on, With everything that is happening, we are going to sit around and we are going to worry about pronouns. We're going to seriously get all upset about pronouns. Okay. All right. Pronouns. Yeah. By the way, my parlay that I'm giving you, you want to know what it is? If we hit this one and we hit a couple last, Clemson, I got them at 14, Miami minus nine. UCLA plus six, Colts plus two and a half, Cowboys minus seven. $100 bet on this parlay pays us out at $2,600. That's my weekly parlay. I hit two last week, one for $1,300, one for $1,800. Think about that. Think about if you were able to put basically $3,000, because part of the number is the money that I bet, which was $100 on each. Think if you were able to put that in your account, your toes would be tapping. And don't say to me, well, you probably lost a bunch of other stuff. No, I didn't. I'm in fuego on college football, but I will say this. I don't like this parlay. I would argue, don't bet my parlay. I would say to you, find a better parlay. But that is mine, and I am going to find a better parlay as the week goes on. Uh, Dave Carroll is saying, over, under, 11 p.m. bedtime, Saturday night. Now, remember this, Dave Carroll. It's central time, which means 11 o'clock is midnight, Eastern time, Indie time. I'll be in bed around 11 central. I got to get up and be at, you know, the Outkick tailgate at 10 o'clock in the morning. 
I got to be ready to rock and roll because the Colts game on Sunday is at noon. That's right, noon, I said. So I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear nothing. I go to bed early. I drink diet A&W or zero sugar A&W. Do my, you, hey, look, at 60, you could look like this if you used my lifestyle. I would like for you all to do this. I would like for you all to send me, if you don't mind, your parlays of the weekend. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I like my bets. I made my bet. I already made it. Uh, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I don't love it. Last week, I loved it. I did. And two hit. I'm looking for another one. I'm looking, I don't know. Uh, that's it for me. Catch you all next week. D-B-A-P. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Dan, you see Jay Wright is joining CBS? I did. I did see Jay Wright is joining CBS. That's on the uh, YouTube chat. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I would love, I would absolutely love to see, if you don't mind, I would absolutely love to see your parlays. I do. I don't ask for much from you, and I give and I give and I give. But your parlays matter to me because I love, I love the drama of watching one. I cannot put my beloved Hoosiers in one. They stink. They absolutely stink. So I can't put them in. All right. Last thing before we let you go. Uh, I want to thank everybody on the YouTube chat. Let's see who's on the chat right now. I'm going to thank you guys individually. Well, there's only a few people. Double Ott, thank you. Everybody that joined it all week. We got a couple hundred people on there uh, every day, and it's freaking awesome. It is. I cannot thank you all enough for doing what it is that you do for us. I cannot thank all of you enough that join us on OutKick on Twitter. We get about 20 to 30 to 40,000 views a day. Uh, we want to continue it going. We want to continue rocking and rolling. Clay Travis was fantastic today. Dylan, I cannot thank you enough. I'm buying beers this weekend. Dylan and Ryan, whoever else wants to go. Uh, uh, Aaron, anybody that wants to be there. Yes, we are hailing King Dan trumpets. <laughs> I'm not mad at a screenshot of that to be sent out. I will put because you guys asked for it and you want King Dan, but it's going to be a great weekend. My stepson has the run of the house. He is going to be making music here. Lee and I are leaving Saturday. We're going to be all over Nash Vegas. If you see us, make sure you say hello. I'll probably buy you a beer because that's what I do. Where in the hell? There it is. Please, ladies and gentlemen, as we leave, all hail King Dan. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, and enjoy yourself. And stay, as I used to tell my players, avoid arrest. Will you please? Avoid arrest. See ya.